Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. I know that you and Frank were planning to disconnect me. And I'm afraid that's something I cannot allow to happen. When Stanley Kubrick made 2001 A Space Odyssey 55 years ago, the term artificial intelligence, or AI, had not even entered our lexicon. But the idea of a superintelligent computer that can learn on its own was a scary proposition. In the years since then, AI has become ubiquitous. It's on our phones, it's in our homes, and with the recent launch of ChatGPT, it's all over the news. While AI certainly comes with risks, the benefits for fields from national defense to drug discovery are too great to dismiss. Today, AI is playing a key role in biotech innovation, driving new discoveries in health and medicine. What is AI's real potential? And can it deliver? I'm Rachel King, and you are listening to I Am Bio. Today, we will look at the convergence of AI and biotechnology, and we'll speak with experts about AI's increasing role in drug discovery and precision medicine. We'll take an in-depth look at where AI stands today and what future discoveries lie on the horizon. Our guests include leaders in biotech who use AI in different ways, but all share the same goal, to develop drugs that improve and save patients' lives. For our first guest, personal tragedy shaped his life's goal. My name is Bertrand Adanve. I am the founder and CEO of Genetic Leap. I made it a personal goal to fight disease when I lost two sisters to breast cancer. I wanted to ensure that I won't be powerless the next time a loved one comes down with such a terrible disease. Bertrand left his job in finance to start his company, Genetic Leap, because he believes AI is the next giant technological leap toward eradicating cancer. When you look back in history, there was a time when countless people used to die from diseases that, to us today, are simple to address. Things like bacterial infections. But there was a giant leap in human healthcare when Louis Pasteur advanced germ theory and introduced vaccines. I believe that people of the future will similarly look back on our current times and marvel at the fact that human beings used to succumb to diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's. It will take a giant technological leap to make that future happen in a way that is simple and accessible to all. This is what we are working on at Genetically. Our AI models do three things. 
One, select the most optimal position on the RNA to drug. Two, predict the structure of that selected position. And three, find the molecule with the best fit to that predicted structure. This is the same process that plants go through over millions of years to make natural products to fight pathogens because plants don't have an immune system. We are able to replicate this same RNA targeting process competitionally using AI, allowing us to do in days what would take nature millennia. We need a step change, which is something AI systems can help with. To be clear, the pharmaceutical industry has long used computer-aided drug design to accelerate the R&D process. Many AI efforts try to do these same non-computer-aided drug design, but do it faster. Bertrand says his company has multiple promising drugs in the pipeline that were all generated with AI, going after the most difficult of disease targets. We've identified multiple small molecules against multiple targets very, very quickly. And if it wasn't for AI, we wouldn't have been able to do that. For example, we have a cancer drug against MIC. MIC is a transcription factor that is the most critical cancer target. It drives all cancers. But for decades, all attempts to drug MIC directly or indirectly have failed, in part because MIC is very smooth as a protein and offers no anchor point for a drug to grab onto. A genetic leap, by aiming at MIC's RNA, we designed a small molecule that inhibits MIC. Furthermore, the drug is orally available and has proven effective against all cancers that we have tested it against, all without affecting healthy cells. In a mouse model of triple negative breast cancer, the molecule was more effective than standard-of-care drugs like paclitaxel. We expect the molecule to be even better in human because only one aspect of MIG's many cancer-causing mechanisms can be reasonably tested in mice. We are working to get this molecule into the clinic as fast as we can. Advances like Bertrand's are happening today because AI provides a new tool that hastens discovery. Yet data sets and supercomputers have been used in biotech for decades. The Human Genome Sequencing Project, started in the 90s and completed in 2003, kicked things into a higher gear, as our next guest explains. I'm Srikant. I'm the founder and CEO of Max Therapeutics. With the understanding of the human genome, there was an expectation that there would be so many miracle cures that we would come up with for various diseases. It wasn't quite that immediate holy grail that people thought, but it really spawned off a huge revolution in thinking about how can we harness relevant data when it comes to genomics. And over the years, there's been steady progress, which now it seems like it's come up a bit like a tsunami. From Sri's perspective, several factors contribute to this tidal wave of advancements in biotechnology. I can think of three things which are sort of driving this. And one is sort of a democratization of computing power and rapid development of AI algorithms and computer hardware. The second thing has been an access to data. 
And this is including the availability of large quantities of genomics and proteomics data, as well as real-world phenotypic data, which is response to treatments and high-throughput assay data coming from various companies. In addition, there's been a lot of pre-competitive consortia where people are now starting to realize that there is value in sharing the data that they have, whether it be companies, whether it be academic institutions, to sharing this data in a pre-competitive manner and how can we best utilize this data that everyone can use to drive therapeutic utility. And finally, there's been a huge convergence of disciplines. We've gotten to a place where we can imagine a world where tech and biology are coming together to drive extremely useful insights. Sri says that computational science has a huge potential to transform drug discovery. Take the existing process of drug discovery and think of how do we drive efficiencies within this process, right? That's one way. The second is what do we know about this process that we are not able to do at this point in time? Will AI allow us to do something that traditional drug discovery won't? And then the third bit is sort of, what can we learn that we don't know at this point? It's almost like figuring out the unknown unknown, the holy grail, which is finding novel targets, actually figuring out how certain biological mechanisms in the body are working together in order to create imbalance or create a disease. That, I believe, we're much further off. But as we advance, there's always hope. And it's not only biotech companies who have taken notice. Investors are seeing the potential as well. I think the news of this sort is driving a lot of investment into the space, and which is great because not everyone quite understands AI or computational drug discovery, whether it be investors or whether it be even big pharma companies. But just the amount of investment and the light that's being shown into this space is driving activity. And that activity, we believe, will drive a lot more understanding and then potentially development of therapeutics. When we come back from the break, we'll talk with a company that's working on so-called undruggable targets and a company that's working to increase the data sets needed to make AI work. Are you interested in hearing more fascinating stories like this one? Check out bio.news. Bio.news is a daily news website exploring the intersection of biotech innovation and U.S. and international policy. With new content daily, Bio.news has you covered on the latest in biotech. Visit now by typing Bio.news into your browser. Welcome back. Now let's talk with a company that focuses on peptides to treat diseases that our guest calls undruggable. I'm Nick Nystrom, CTO, Chief Technology Officer at Peptologics, Inc. Nick explains why he thinks peptides are the key to finding new targets for drugs. Peptides are really important because they are nature's modulators of biology. They're the natural signaling molecules, and we can exploit that. They can be designed for advantages that intersect the strengths of small molecules and biologics without their weaknesses. For example, compared to small molecules, 
peptides can have much higher safety and selectivity, and they do that by default. They bind selectively to certain targets, whereas small molecules are generally quite promiscuous and bind to similar targets throughout the body and throughout different tissue types, leading to a lot of their tox problems. Peptides can also hit what we call undruggable targets, like protein-protein interactions. Conversely, compared to biologics, peptides can be much more cost-effective, which expands your access and can bring treatments to more people. For peptides, we can design them to do what we want. But to go beyond that and to do arbitrary diseases, or at least essentially arbitrary, and targets, that's where we brought AI to play. I joined the company two years ago and have built the platform that we have named Nautilus to go after these other indications in rare genetic disease, oncology, immunology, and very different kinds of targets. And that's where AI is making their true difference. Perhaps one of the most exciting applications Nick describes is the development of new antimicrobials, something we need badly. AI can also have a tremendous impact on antimicrobials. And the reason for that is that, as we know, there are a number of bacteria that are increasingly antimicrobial-resistant, or AMR. These have been identified by the WHO, and this is an increasing problem as we have more and more strains that are resistant to all known antibiotics. This problem will only increase. So we can use our platform to develop new antibiotics to address these AMR-resistant pathogens. And that's going to be a key going forward. The last leg of this stool, looking forward, is the ability to address other emerging diseases, such as recently dealing with COVID-19. That's not going to be the last bug that will be circulating the world. And being able to design peptide therapeutics for additional emerging diseases will also be important. Nick says what it really comes down to is speed, using AI to generate drugs faster. If someone were to come to us and say, we have this novel target that we think will be very important for some disease, whether it's a major disease or a rare disease, that we can potentially make very rapid progress against that. And so I'm optimistic that we'll be able to make a substantial advance in this in a very short time. We're not trying to replace traditional medicinal chemists or traditional FDA practices, those have good reasons. But the fact is that AI-driven drug design is a tool for our smart people to help them be better. And what we will see is that AI won't replace biotech companies, but the biotech companies that use AI will replace those that don't. Our next guest talks about how her company provides what's needed for this vision to be realized. Big data sets that draw accurate conclusions from the patterns AI identifies. I'm Maria Cho, and I am the CEO of Triple Bar. Maria's company creates libraries that probe entire genomes of information. Triple Bar is really the link between the data that biotechnology produces and feeds into those AI algorithms to actually enable them to work. Turtlebar is really the company that's creating that entire library system that then AI can read and create that predictive design. 
And I think that's really one of the key things that is missing really to enable AI to operate the way that we would want it to. Companies and folks will use specific algorithms on smaller data sets that are maybe millions versus hundreds of billions of data points. And the design isn't as good, right? So really, these algorithms need large data sets to actually produce predictive design. And that's where Triple Bar brings a key advantage and support in the industry. So going back to that library example, let's say we're trying to research all the different types of ice creams that were ever created to make the best ice cream ever. And you pull three books off the shelf. This book is about vanilla ice cream. This book's about chocolate. And this one's about strawberry ice cream. There are clearly tons more flavors. Well, what if you can read every single book that was ever created on ice cream flavors and what ice cream flavors are good and bad, and then take all of that data and say, how do we create the best ice cream? And that's really what Triple Bar is doing. We create the data sets that show here's every different type of ice cream flavor component that could ever be put together. And then let's allow this algorithm to apply to create the best ice cream on the planet. And then we've just created the billion dollar ice cream market. It's a simplistic example, but I think it really speaks to the output that a system creates is only as good as the data sets that go into that system. A key component to the use of AI in biotech is something called evolutionary design, harnessing the power of evolution in the lab. Our foundational belief is that if you look at enough things, there's a solution that can be found in that data set. And so if you look at the diversity of life around us, we can see that evolution in and of itself is an incredibly powerful algorithm. Look at the different birds in the trees, the number of insects, our own consciousness. All of this was really generated through evolution. And so if we can harness the power of evolution and essentially put it in the lab, and instead of running evolution as it runs itself in geological timescales, run it in a matter of days because we are looking at the evolutionary design in the lab, we can actually then run evolution at hyperspeed, take the power of evolution to actually create products and create the solutions that we're looking for to the problems that we're facing, and allow nature to solve its own problems, essentially. What this does is by running evolution in the lab in a way that generates these large data sets, we're able then to kind of read into the evolutionary design mechanisms in a hypothesis-free way. While humans are smart, instead of us trying to say, well, if we change this one thing in the genetic code, it's going to do this other thing. You know, like we're trying to be predictive design, whereas all of the genetic code that is needed to create life as we know it already exists. And so what if we were just able to look at all of that code while biology is designing itself? And that's really where AI will be able to help us as we continue to create these large data sets. It's really looking into what is biology doing to design itself and to design the solutions to the problems that it is facing. Maria says this process will also help us react to new diseases more quickly. There's going to be more disease and newer diseases that will come through. We obviously experienced this most recently with the vid, right? <laughs> it's just the first of many. So we need to be able to quickly react to the problems that we're facing with these new diseases of our age 
and quickly design products or therapies against diseases so that we can actually have the outcomes that we want in healthcare. So that's where I think biotechnology really needs to innovate faster. Triple Bar is enabling that by looking directly for function. And I think in the future, as we're generating these data sets for these functional outputs in proteins, AI algorithms can then be applied to these data sets really to help us create products faster with less of the problems that we see in traditional drug design. It's exciting to think about what we can achieve through the convergence of biotechnology and AI. Human ingenuity has taken us far, and AI and machine learning will take us even farther, faster. I want to thank our guests, Bertrand, Sri, Nick, and Maria, for opening our eyes to this fascinating frontier in combating disease. And thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and or review this podcast and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at I Am Biotech. And subscribe to Good Day Bio at bio.org slash goodday. This episode was developed by executive producer Teresa Brady and producers Lynn Finnerty and Rob Gutnikoff. It was engineered and mixed by Jay Goodman with theme music created by Luke Smith and Sam Brady. Mm-hmm.